quantum computing really is for everyone. I'm Tanya Hall, and joining me is Dr. Christopher Bernhardt, professor of mathematics, Fairfield University, and author of Quantum Computing for Everyone. Welcome, Dr. Bernhardt. Thank you. Thank you. What motivated you to write this book? So um, several years back, I was teaching uh, an honors course for our math majors um, on uh, quantum computing. And part of this was for me to understand how quantum computing worked and, and for the students too. And um, I found it absolutely fascinating. And as we went through it, um, we developed all this mathematics. And, and part of the reason for doing this was that this was a, for math majors. And um, well, we, we sort of realized that a lot of this mathematics was not needed. You didn't need to do it at such a sophisticated level. So I, I realized that you could present all these ideas at a much lower level. And so the idea of this book was to try and present um, uh, quantum computing uh, rigorously, but at a level that um, someone who's just done high school mathematics can understand. In fact, you use this book, uh, you, you use both, in fact, storytelling and math to explain and illustrate the seemingly mysterious subject. What does it mean that quantum computation is based on how the universe computes? So, um, well, quantum computing is based really on quantum mechanics. So with ordinary computing, you're dealing with bits. Uh, with quantum computing, you're dealing with qubits. And qubits are, are, are like bits, but you've got these two additional operations you can use. You can put them in a superposition of states, so it's like this mixture of zeros and ones, and you can entangle them. So these two operations, um, are, they really come from physics. Um, and it's not immediately clear that they're going to be useful operations for doing computations. Um, but, but it turns out uh, uh, that they are. It turns out that, they are, that you can do things using these two operations that um, you cannot do with just ordinary bits. What is the best way to envision how quantum computers will enter the mainstream? Will the computing world split into two segments where classical computers remain the tool for choice for certain use cases and quantum is reserved for special problems, or will the two types of machines merge and become one? So, I mean, I think it's a, a bit of both. So I think that there are going to be certain problems, and, and probably most problems that we're now dealing with, will still be done on classical computers. But there'll be certain areas where you'll use both classical computation and quantum computation. And probably, and chemistry is probably going to be the first area where this happens. But, um, uh, one thing I'm interested in is sort of education, uh, and one thing that um, is going to happen very quickly is that I think students are going to start playing around with quantum computers, and students are going to get uh, an idea of what, it, what you can do with quantum computation. Um, IBM has already put this you know, five-qubit uh, computer on, on, in the cloud, and anyone can play with it, and there's its beautiful graphical interface. So, you know, I, I think we're going to see more and more, I mean, high school kids just playing around with it. Uh, and then and you've got to build up this intuition of what you can do with quantum computing because it's not, you know, it's highly unintuitive. Uh, and so I think 
as these kids begin to play around, they'll develop an intuition. And I think that more and more applications will come from uh, you know, this gener that generation of, uh, of uh, um, well, future generation of quantum computers. Well, so furthermore, speaking of, of the education, and you talk about the fact that it isn't necessarily that intuitive. So for those who are fully versed in solving problems with classical computers, how does the problem solving process then change when switching to a quantum computer? So um, it, it changes. So the advantage, quantum advantage is very different. So I think a lot of people who come from classical computing think that it's just parallel computing. Uh, and it's not really parallel computing. It's a different way of thinking about um, uh, computation. So um, it's, it gives you, um, I'd say, more ways of viewing a problem so that um, something uh, that you tackle classically, you've only got sort of a couple of ways of viewing it. With quantum, in quantum computing, you've got a whole new sort of uh, vista, a whole new way of uh, changing things around to look at it. So it, it's, um, um, it's very, very different. Um, so if you look at the history, I think, you know, initially um, uh, David Deutsch in 19, uh, I think, where are we? In, in mid 1985, I think. So he, he was the first person to show that you could do something quicker on a, on a quantum computer. Um, and this was you know, highly contrived. It's a highly contrived example. And I think people felt, well, okay, maybe there's some, you know, highly contrived thing you can do, but there's not going to be anything, uh, anything practical. But then in the uh, mid nineties, um, uh, we had, uh, um, I can't say, Peter Shaw. Peter Shaw came up with this. Uh, he showed that you know, if you could actually develop a quantum computer, then you could crack um, uh, a standard encryption, the RSA encryption. You'd be able to, it would no longer be secure. So suddenly people just discovered that um, you know, there are problems that can be solved by com uh, quantum computers that cannot be solved classically. And so that sort of spurred the interest in it. Uh, um, but um, these, uh, Shaw's algorithm, so these algorithms, when you first see them, uh, are, um, are quite difficult to understand because they're using um, uh, Sort of completely new ideas. So it's a, it is it's a completely new way of, of tackling uh, various computations. So then, what advice can you offer to students who want to enter this field? I mean, how should they prepare? Well, uh, I think, um, well, I say I think probably play with the IBM uh, quantum computer. That, that's a great thing. Uh, and then you should start reading. I mean, you start. Um, uh, uh, reading a text in the area to learn about what's going on. And then I think play. I mean, I think that um, you know, already people are playing with the IBM quantum computer. And I think playing is such a, such a, a great way to learn. So, uh, um, and I, you know, I don't think you need to tell students to play. I think I think they'll do that. <laughs> That's true. And you're right. IBM Q team has done a great job of really trying to encourage people. This is what's coming and uh, certainly hopefully people will be prepared. If somebody wants to connect with you, what's the best way they can do that? Um, probably through email. Um, my email address is cbernhardt at fairfield.edu. That's probably the best way. All right. That's again, that was Dr. Christopher Bernhardt, professor of mathematics, Fairfield University and author of the book, 
quantum computing for everyone. You certainly maybe should check it out, uh, especially if you like math. And if you guys want to find more of my interviews, you can do that right here or go to tanyahall.net. Thanks for watching.